study on what should we believe, total annihilation, eternal torment, or total reconciliation. Praise the Lord. Your test still remain Philippians 4 verse 8. I'm talking about we thinking of that which is good, which is worthy of praise. Today we want to deal with two specific things, and uh, first of all, we want to consider a particular passage. That's what we're dealing with, as a matter of fact. Let's go down to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, that is the very place we really want to consider. Uh, 43 to 48 uh, the major thing we want to look at 43 to 48 the Bible says if your hand causes you to sin cut it off it is better for you to appear I mean enter into life main rather than having two hands to go to hell into the fire that shall never be quenched. Where their worms does not die, and the fire is not quenched. And if your food causes you to sin, cut it off, it is better for you to enter life meme, rather than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that shall never be quenched. Your worms does not die, and the fire is not quenched. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out, it is better for you to enter into the kingdom of God. Wait one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into a fire where your worms does not die and the fire is not quenched. Hallelujah. These are the passages we want to consider. And so we'll be looking at the hands, the foot, and the eye, what are they? Are those things that the scripture is saying we should cut off so as not to go to hellfire? Is it the literal hands, the literal eyes, or our foot? And if that be the case, hands and foot do we have? Like what has been saying. If it's the literal ones, I wonder why only one is the one causing all to sin, and the other one is just being very righteous. Since we have two hands and two foot and uh, whatever, two feet and two eyes, how come only one is causing all to sin? Praise the Lord. How come only one is causing us to sin? And these are the things we want to consider. Now, first, let's quickly look at the book of Jeremiah again, 31 verse 35. Uh, the Bible says, And they built the high places of Baal, which are in the valley of the son of Hinnom, to cause their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire to Molech. Which I did not combine them, nor did it come into my mind that they should do this abomination to cause Judah to sin. That is Jeremiah 31 and verse 35. Praise the Lord. We are told, like we have been discussing, 
these people had a sacrificial offering they were offering unto a god in the valley of Hinnom, the southern part of Jerusalem as a den. And the Bible says this sacrifice was abomination before the Lord. The Lord did not command it, and the Lord hates it. I always say these people were sacrificing their children to this particular God. Now, in Mark chapter 9, verse 44, the Bible says, If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off, it is better for you to enter into life maimed rather than having two hands to go to hell into the fire that shall never be quenched. And where there are worms, does not die, and the fire is not quenched. Hallelujah. Now, these are the things we want to consider, like I said before. What you find in the book of Mark as hell in the Greek is Gehenna, which is the same thing as Gehinnom in the Greek, which is taken from that same thing as Tophet or the valley of Hinnom. It's directly connected to that valley where the sacrifices were made. Praise the living God. Now, the Bible is saying there are certain things that will take you there that is going by the warning of Jesus Christ. And last week we considered a few of those things, talking about sectarianism and things like that, the attitude we have in our spirit and our mind, clearly in our soul. That makes it impossible for us to walk with a simple eye unto the Lord. And the Bible says those things will take you to Gehenna, this valley of Hinnom. Praise the living God. Maybe next week we are going to find much more part of why Jesus made this statement and where he actually took this statement from. It is the direct reference from the book of Isaiah. I don't want to put that verse for you right now so that you don't go and get some mess for them. But next week you are going to get that. Hallelujah. Praise the living God. Now, just look at your outline. We have already explained the fact that the valley of Hinnom of old is the same thing as the Gehenna of the New Testament. Again, we ask the question, what was Jesus dealing with in this passage? Who was he talking to? What led to it? And what does the hand, foot, and eye represent? Hallelujah. Last week we were able to explain for us that essentially he was speaking to his own disciples. You remember that? It was those disciples that he was talking to. He wasn't talking to unbelievers. He wasn't talking to people who did not uh, know him, who were not following him. It was his own disciples. And we know that they had one or two things that they did, which led to this statement. One, they stopped somebody from casting out demons in the name of Jesus because the person was not part of their party. Amen? Now, the second thing was they were intending to say or struggling for who should be the first in terms of leadership or to be most recognized among the apostles. So two major reasons why Jesus broke forth into this statement. So we know that it was not unbeliever, he was addressing his own people. And it was it has to do with attitudes in the believers that led to this statement. Amen. Praise the living God. Okay. Now today I want to deal with the issue of the hand, the foot and the eye. What do they represent? In our for we have seen that None of those things could be literal as no man had ever cut off his hand or his literal hand or foot in order to fulfill the scripture. We've only been saying this. Once in a while or in the history of the church have really been able to prove the fact that because he wanted to totally follow Jesus Christ, have been able to amputate either a 
his hand or foot or pluck off his literal eyes. So if these things are not literal, if Jesus was not saying that we should look, uh, you know, he was to recommend Sharia in this place. If we believe that, that means it means something else other than what uh, we may take it to be. And generally we know that Christianity have always used this to speak of other things by way of symbolizing what it stands for. Hallelujah. I've always told you that when I was young in the faith, and I know most of you, this scripture is used to tell us that if you have a bad friend, separate yourself from the person. Is it not true? That is what we are told. If you have a bad friend, separate yourself. Now, if that is the case, this is selling the people to separate themselves from somebody? Praise the Lord. Did you understand what I said there? If we follow our own interpretation, and to say, have a bad friend, separate yourself. Now Jesus was talking to his own disciple. Who was he telling the disciple to separate themselves from? And so if Jesus wasn't saying a thing like that, it means our own interpretation then, or application is wrong. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. So he, he wasn't relations, he wasn't dealing with friends, because none of the people had anybody upon them when this statement was made. Okay, neither was Jesus seeing these disciples following some group of people who were smoking. And then he said, Why are you following a smoker? If you follow a smoker, you go to hell. That is not what Jesus was saying. But that is most often what we use this scripture to interpret. And I think it's not very accurate. Praise the Lord. Though you can apply it. Now, again, we said earlier that the major offense for, of the disciples of Jesus that qualified them for this rebuke and warning was the spirit of sectarianism for attempting to stop a man that was casting out devils in the name of Jesus, though he was not among the twelve or the disciples of Jesus. Amen. Praise the living God. Uh, we made this very plain. Because they came up and they rebuked this person and they said, We will not want you to cast out devils in the name of Jesus because you are not following us. You are not part of us. You have never been with us at any point in time. Hallelujah. Praise the living God. You have never been with us at any point in time. So you can be somebody qualified to cast out devils in the name of Jesus. In other words, if you want to come into this, come and register with us. We admit you and then you can begin to do that. Praise the Lord. But you see, the Spirit of the Lord move on, especially in the apostolic dimension. You know, God can locate those whose spirits are right and can flow into their life and can make use of them. Outside of what we call denominational church. Hallelujah. You know, the same thing happened in the ministry of Apostle Moses. When they said they should bring the elders so that he can transfer his spirit on them so that they can work with him. Two persons never came out of the camp. Can you remember that? The Bible said the spirit went in there and rested on them. And they started prophesying. Joshua said, no, we can't allow this. The same spirit. The same spirit. Do you understand that? Okay. And Moses said, no, I wish everybody could be like me. Even in Israel, let everybody prophesy like me. Praise the living God. Why? If because if everybody is prophesying like him, then the job is finished. Did you get that? Good. And Jesus equally said, if everybody would believe him to be casting out devils in his name, the job is finished. 
Because one of the ministries of Jesus is to cast out devils from people. Now, if everyone can come to for casting out devils, it doesn't mean the devil cast out of our life. Then his own job is also finished. Praise the living God. Hallelujah. Okay, so this was the spirit that he was actually dealing with. Now, let's move on. So, what does the hand, foot, and eye mean in this passage? I would like to explain the hand and foot with the illustration of Jesus on the marriage supper of the Lamb in Mighty 22. Can we please turn to the book of Mighty chapter 22? Let's pick this background or the story from that. Now, remember, I want to deal with hand and foot first before I go to the eye. So let's look at that. Jesus explained that somehow in this passage, and I think it's clear enough. We can follow this. Uh, or which best I'm going to pick this. Praise the Lord. Uh, let me read a little bit fast. And then uh, you get the Lord. Now, in this passage, we are reading from this one now. And Jesus said and spoke to them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like you know, to a, a king who arranged a marriage for his son and sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding and they were not willing to come. Again, he sent out other servants saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I prepared my dinner, my oxen, and for their cart are killed, and all things are ready, come to the wedding. But they made light of it, and went away, went to his own farm, and other to his own business. <laughs> Sorry, this thing is not new. Sorry, praise the Lord. And the rest seized his servants, treated them spitefully, and killed them. But when the king heard about it, he was furious, and he sent out his armies, destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. Then he said to his servant, The wedding is ready, but those who have been invited were not worthy. Therefore, go. Worthy here means they did not respond to the invitation. It's not that they were not qualified. Okay? Praise the Lord. Therefore, go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite to the wedding. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all whom they found both bad and good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. Please follow the picture very well. So he said to him, friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the servant, what did he say they should do? Bind him what? Hand and foot. Take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Amen. Remember what he said in Mark chapter 9? If your hand will cause you to sin, cut it off. If your foot will cause you to sin, 
purge it off. Amen. Praise the living God. Now here was a man that Jesus recommended they should bind his hand and what? His foot. And cast it out of the wedding feast. Let me give you a story on the background to this. The Jewish custom of wedding is this. Often we use invitation cards as it were over here. Uh, maybe I don't know if there is anything else I can really get close to it. Maybe when people come to your wedding, you give them gifts. It's like that. Now, in the Jewish setting, just like this hall is now, if I were to be having a wedding here, I am the guest. I'm the one I invite every one of you. Amen? I have to prepare a kind of garment or dress. Let's, in a very simple understanding for you to pick it, let us talk about those things that... Uh, Okay, something like that, okay? Something that I can easily give out to you to indicate that you actually was invited and you attended. Now, I'll place the person by the gate. Praise the Lord. Did you see? Okay, that's form of the gift now. I'll place somebody by the gate with this garment. So as you are coming in, you enter, I give you another one. You enter, no, somebody keep on giving you one of those things, those garments. And as you're coming, you go to the table and sit down. Are you understanding what I'm saying now? Okay, now, at the end of the, the day, I walk in to inspect or to see those I've invited. And now I come in only to discover that, assuming the material I prepare is all right. right. Praise the Lord. Are you understanding this? I came into the hall to discover that somebody is not putting on a red dress, which was the color I chose. Amen? Now, I walked to the person and said, how did you come in here? Why did they ask a question? Because everybody that walked through the door should have been able to get a dress. It means, and if you did not get this dress, you must have climbed through the window. In the earth. He's raising up a people. Are you understand what I'm talking about? Well, how did you come in here? You know, that was a surprise. Because this man is rich enough to prepare enough garment for everybody in our attendees. So how come you are sitting down and getting ready to eat? And you don't have your garment on? Something was wrong. It means you didn't pass through the door. You went through either the window or you sneaked in. In other words, you did not identify with me. Because one thing is very obvious. If you identify with me, you put on my garment, and everybody will know that this man attended this man's wedding. Are you getting the picture? All right. Now, in passing, let me say a word here. When I was also young in the faith, this one was used to teach us that this had to do with the rapture. And that is why we say, if this is truly the rapture, then Jesus made a mistake to rapture a man to heaven before he discovered it. It definitely cannot be. Hallelujah. Praise the living God. So what is the background to this? Then I will outline and find out what we are dealing with now. Amen. So here we are told that the people were invited to the feast, supposedly are put together by and for Jesus and Thomas who are prepared for all invitees as for the custom of the Jews so that whoever comes in must have one especially if you go through the door where someone is positioned to give them out but in verse 12 to 14 we are told that we are told as the host Jesus came in to inspect the guests 
A wicked one can only flee from one without a garment, which he has instructed should be given to guys. And so he was surprised and said, Friend, how comest thou in Peter not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king, 37. This man was speechless. In other words, he could not, he was not bold enough to answer for himself. Praise the living God. Okay. And then his sword was given to the sword, bind him hind a foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. First of all, let it be noted that this is not the sole corruption, for Jesus could not have made a mistake of taking an unqualified person to heaven, only for him to discover later. Amen? Is it clear to us? So what do we see here, or what do we have here? This parable is simple. The garment speaks of Christ's righteousness. Hallelujah. Amen. Which we must put on as his bride. I want you to follow this. The garment speaks of what? Christ's righteousness. Which we must put on as what? The bride of Christ. The name Israel is a birthright name. The scripture says, the book of Romans chapter 14, and 13 verse 14, you can turn about it. Romans 13 verse 14. It says, It simply says, Put ye on the Lord Jesus, and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the loss thereof. It speaks of the rocks of darkness. And when you come to verse 14, and they say, Put ye on the Lord Jesus, and they will not fulfill the loss of the flesh. So, if you put on Jesus, what have you put on? You put it on his nature, his character. Amen. Praise the living God. You are putting on the character of Jesus, you are putting on the nature of Jesus. That is what he's saying here. Put ye on the Lord Jesus. Praise the living God. Now, again, if you look at Ephesians chapter 4, uh, the most popular subject for spiritual warfare, talking about the whole armor of God. What did the Bible say? If you look at verse uh, 424 in particular, it said, What did he say in that place? Human rulers do, like people do, that uh, if I'm a king's kid, then I can uh, be living like that. righteousness. Read the and he said, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true what? Holiness. Ephesians 4.24 Put ye on the new man, which is after God is created in righteousness and holiness. Now, Hebrew the Bible says, Without holiness, no man can do what? Can see God. So, how do you intend to go and feast on the table of God without holiness? So, what this man was lacking was true righteousness and what? And holiness. Praise the living God. This is what qualified him to be bound underfoot. And I'm going to make you see why it has to be so. But first of all, we are discovering the garment. This is a garment of righteousness, which has to do with holiness, the righteousness of Christ himself. 
Hallelujah. This then is what the man was not having. And because he liked this garment, he was not qualified to do ministry with, with and in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Now, what am I trying to make you see? This man was not qualified to do ministry in the name of Jesus. In other words, he was not qualified to carry the message of the kingdom. And he was not qualified to lay hands on people in the name of Jesus. Let me explain something. You know, when God encountered Moses, what were the first statements he made with him? Burning bush. Put off your shoes. Put off your shoes. Can you remember that? Because the ground you are standing is what? Holy ground. Because God himself came to that place. So put off your shoes. In other words, change your language. Remove your old man. Stop your thinking the way you used to think. Take away the spirit of revenge which you carry from Egypt. Take away the spirit of a murderer which you carry from Egypt. You had one gospel which you are preaching. You want to revenge your people. But I'm sending you as a deliverer. Not even to kill the Egyptians. In that sense. And you understand what I'm talking about. So change your shoes. Put out your shoes. That's your feet. I'll make you see that more clearly as you progress. But in the case of the hands like we are dealing with. Now if you look at it in the book of Mark. Chapter 16. If you look at 16 to 18. In verse 18 in particular. The Bible says in my name. Which is in my nature or in my character. They shall lay hands on the sick. And they shall do what? Recover. That means the hand is a place of power. This power flows through your hands. Praise the living God. So if your hands are bound, it means you can no longer lay hands or you can no longer exercise dominion. Did you understand what I'm talking about? Remember the Bible says, whatever do you buy on earth is bound in heaven. When you buy something, you make it important. You make ineffective. You, you, you bring it to the level where that thing can no longer operate. So if the Bible now say bind the hands of this man who came to this feast because he had no garment, what are you saying? Lord is simply saying, this man who did not put on my garment is not qualified to partake not only of the feast but to carry the message and to do signs and wonders in my name. Hallelujah. Are you understanding this? Praise the Lord. So because it is from the hands that deliverance and wonders are wrought. Remember, and I think in Acts chapter 4 when the Bible says, people should no longer preach in the name of Jesus. They pray the prayer and say, oh Lord, you see they are threatening. Give us boldness to declare the word in the name of the Holy Ghost. And stretch forth thy hands to heal. Can you remember that? Acts chapter 4. When they told the apostles not to preach again in the name of Jesus, that was the prayer they paid. Stretch forth their hands. Now God does not have a literal hand he was going to stretch forth. Your hand is God's hands. That is to say his hand, I mean his glory flows through your hand. Alright. So here we find that this is what he's saying, this man's hand should be bound. In other words, he is no longer qualified 
to receive any partition from God to do miracles. Just want to give you that so that you understand. As we progress, you will now be able to know why this hand will cause you to see and you cut it off. Hallelujah. Amen. As for the foot, we are told in the book of Romans, chapter 10, verse 15. If you turn over there, you find how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring our tidings of the good things. How beautiful are the feet of them. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And then in Ephesians which is the passage of spiritual warfare or the whole armor, in verse, uh, what verse is this again? I think 15 or so. He said, I'll take unto you the whole armor of God, and your foot or your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Hallelujah. Is it there? Good. Shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Then in that Romans 10, 15, say, How beautiful are them that preach the gospel? Now, if your hands are bound and your foot are bound, what is he talking about? You can't carry the message of peace, neither are you allowed to do signs and wonders in the name of Jesus. Hello? Is it clear to us? Good. So, if we have been able to understand what foot and hand stands for, it's not your literal hands and it's not your foot. It's talking of the gospel and it's talking of the anointing that flows through you. Praise the living God. Are you still there? So we find that we speak of the gospel of Christ and it has the authority that emanates from the gospel. Therefore, to bind one hand and foot means the individual is not to preach the glorious gospel of Christ, having his righteousness. Hello? Taking on to something now. If I may go ahead of our outline, let me explain this. It's simply, it's simply telling us this thing, this fact. Whatever anointing you are using, if it's not of God, stop it or you go to hell. That is your hand. The gospel you are if it's not the gospel of Christ which he preached, stop it or you go to hell. I don't know if you understand what I'm talking about. It's not that you're not interested in doing it, but you have to do it in his righteousness. To preach his righteousness, you have to do sense and wonders in his righteousness. Do you understand this? So, you see, it does 
doesn't matter the kind of miracles you are performing. This is why he said in the book of Matthew chapter 10 or chapter 7 there about when he said Lord but we have some wonders in a name. Can you remember what he told the people? He said go away from me here workers of what? Iniquity. Meant. This is what he was talking about. It is not that you didn't do signs and wonders. Whose nature, in whose character did you do it? Yeah. How did you perform those signs and wonders? What was the message you were carrying even when you were doing those things? So it is not the issue of whether you do signs and wonders. It's a question of what is the nature you carry in doing those signs and wonders. Praise the living God. That is why we have to be a little bit careful, if I may use the word, in what we believe and what we try to go after. What we try to go after, we need to be a little bit careful. The kind of thing we preach, listen to me, it is very dangerous to think that resort is the ultimate. Hallelujah. People will tell you there is proof of what they are doing. Sure there is. There's no two ways about that. The devil himself can also produce proofs. I'm sure you know that. Praise the living God. Somebody asks a question. Let's with a brother who is actually feet washing and all that for prosperity and the rest of those things he asking. Before you had your money, who washed your feet? Oh, come on. Praise the living God. Praise the Lord. Say, so before you had your money, you came into ministry and you became prosperous. Who washed your feet with water in the church? If nobody washed your feet, and you become prosperous. Why do you think you have to wash people's feet to become prosperous? Where did you get the teaching from? And the brother was dumbfounded. Do you understand what I'm talking about? That is the truth. You don't have to bring all kinds of things just because there is result. You don't have to do all kinds of things just because people are from you. You may end up receiving that same statement from Jesus. Go away from me, ye that walk what? Praise the Lord. Did you understand what I said? Alright. It's so simple. That is exactly what Jesus was talking about. So when your feet are your hands are this
fact, the word says, if we say that we have fellowship with him, that is first John chapter 1, verse 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him, are you there? Okay. And walk in darkness, we lie and do not what? The truth. If we say we have fellowship with Jesus, if we say we are preaching the message of Jesus, and our ways of doing things is contrary to what he did, we are liars. Hallelujah. We are all what? Liars. We do know the truth. Now, if you are not doing the truth, if you don't preach what they preached, how are you expecting to feast with him at the marriage supper? This is just a fact. So it's not a matter of claiming, it's a matter of living it out. You don't claim to be with Jesus. You have to be exactly like him in everything. It's not a matter of I believe. No. And it's not even a matter of what you can do. Hallelujah. You know, somebody asked Jesus a question sometime and he said, Master, what can I do to do the works of God? Book of John. Can anybody remember what the reply, the reply gave? He said, to do the work of the Father is to believe in the Son whom he has sent. Simple. Hallelujah. I was expecting you to say, ah, go and cast out devils. Go and prophesy. Go and speak in tongues. Go and do sense and wonders. What can I do to do the work of God? He said, to believe in the only begotten Son. Just believe in the Son of God and whom he to whom he has sent. Believe him and that's all. That is how to do the work of God. Why? Because if you believe him, you are going to do exactly what he's going to do. You know, Jesus will say, I do not accept what I see Jesus, I mean the Father do. Can you remember that? How many people were in the were in the what 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 the pool? But we know that he healed only one person. Was it because he hated the rest of the people? That was the only person God intended to heal that day. But you know, if you were to be myself and you, in our today charismatic voodoo that we practice, we will want everybody there to be healed before we go back home. Hallelujah. If we heal two and three and the other one is not getting healed, we will look for formula to make sure it is healed. But that was not Jesus. After in his ministry, in the earthly ministry, he was sent to the lost house of who? Of Israel. He had a focus. There was a concentration. And he was able to do what God asked him to come and do. And he said, it is finished. The rest is left for God to complete. And he has to raise other ministers. People like Apostle Paul. To do the rest of the work. Jesus never preached to a Gentile. But that is the things we are doing. And that is why no matter what we do or achievement to God, it means nothing. Because he didn't send you to do those things. Praise the living God. That is why we are going to suffer our hands and our foot be bound. Disqualification. Because without his nature, without his character, we don't even have his mind and his thoughts in the things we do. Glory to God. So if we say we walk with him and fellowship with him, and we are living and walking in darkness, we lie. So we can see that what we eventually disqualify us is the type of gospel we are preaching. And the source of the anointing we are using. 
we are preaching are what? The source of the anointing. Who is flowing through your hand? Which type of anointing is flowing through your hands? We have ministers today who did things in their churches to be able to perform signs and wonders. Have you not heard? Even medical doctors do the same thing today. They are all in the ministry of saving people. And so they believe in the same ministry of taking things in their churches or hospitals to be able to perform operations or whatever. The power you are using, you know the kind of power you are using, but yet you are using the name of Jesus. Your hands and your foot shall be bound at the end of the day. Praise the living of somebody. You shall be disqualified. If it's not God, it can never be called. Praise the living God. Hallelujah. Somebody made a statement and I love it and I believe it. Initially when the government said they should not do science and wonders on television, I was not actually too happy. But this brother made a statement and I saw it line with it. You don't even need to advertise your miracle before people come to you. If you are really doing any miracles. Samuel was a Rama. There was no TV. People were going there to look for him. Saul, who lost the ass, has to go with his servant to go and look for Samuel in Rama. Where he was hiding, he was not in Jerusalem. Hallelujah. Jesus will hear people and say, tell nobody about it. Just go and see yourself to the priest for acceptance. So when the church becomes what God really wants the church to be, the people of the world will look for the church. We don't need to go and tell them who we are. Because when we go to TV, we are trying to tell them who we are. Little miracles will show them. I was watching a program this morning. The person I know, his church is not up to 50 people. But you need to see the screen when they were putting this thing on air. Thousands of people. We are liars. Use other people's face. To project your program. And to let people know that your church is very, very large. Praise the living God. Are we still there? Okay. And again we find that. Outer darkness. Remember where it was Astro Castro. Counting into what? Outer darkness. It's synonymous to hell. Here because the state of the unbeliever is that of darkness. And here the individual is to go beyond darkness to outer darkness. The Bible said that those who were those who were in the region of Capernaum sat in the region and shadow of darkness or death. But so light when Jesus came to them in Matthew chapter 4. Amen. Those who sat in the region of darkness or death, they saw great light. Those in the region of Capernaum, in the land of Zebulon. Hallelujah. When Jesus came in there and did some miracles, said those who sat in darkness or in the shadow of death, they saw great light. That means the state of the unbeliever is darkness. Come on. Are you following this? Okay. The state, remember what is said in the Colossians. He said we translated from darkness into the kingdom 
of his dear son. So the state of the unbeliever is darkness. Now this man is to go beyond darkness, outer darkness. That should be held. It's not just the issue of disqualification. It's the matter of punishment. Praise the living God. That's why Peter will write and say, the believer will eventually fall from faith. He says his latter age shall be worse than the former. Get the picture there. Can you get it? All right. His latter age shall be worse than the former. That is prophetically explained again in Matthew chapter 12. When the Bible talks about when a demon is cast out of a man, he goes about looking for dry place and he cannot find it, come back. And what happened? He said he go and take several more wicked spirits. So he find that if you were a non-believer, you may have one demon. And it is cast out of you, you are free. Now if you don't fill your life with the Holy Spirit, the devil comes back and he will not only come back, he comes in and study your life and find that the place is clean. Nobody is occupying it. The Holy Spirit is not Jesus is not enthroned. He go by and say, I'll find a place. And when he's coming by, he's coming with seven more wicked spirits, and in Saddam means they are becoming eight. Now, if the first spirit in you was that of drunkenness, don't begin to think of what the other eight are coming in to do. You become a more dry liar, anything. So your latter end is worse than the former. So this man is going into outer darkness. For playing tricks at all without a garment. And thinking that he could do ministry without having the righteousness and the holiness of God. He is to be cast into what? After darkness. Praise the living God. Are you getting anything from this? Alright. So let's move on now. Amen. Again we say, wrong faith practices resulting in wrong teachings coupled with Negative anointing would disqualify us and take us to what? Gehenna. Very, very clear. I want us to understand that we are dealing with the issue of believers and not just unbelievers. The prescription is not for unbelievers. Is it clear to us? He is dealing with believers. Those who claim to know him, those who claim to be working with him. These are the people he's dealing with. That is why he has to go to outer darkness. Go beyond the realm of the believers. So in anything we do, may fear grip us. When we come to the Lord to minister before the Lord, may we have this at the back of our minds. If he didn't send us, we would not go. Because he will not be there to back us up. Apostle Moses realized and said, God, if you will not go with me, I am not going. It's not enough for you to say, let me go. If you are not coming, I am not going. Show me your glory. If God did not speak, don't speak. If he's not moving, don't move. Or else you do your own thing. I end up being disqualified. Praise the living God. Now, what is the eye? Praise the Lord. They explain. Now, reading a similar account in the book of Matthew, chapter.
chapter 5, verse 29 to 30. He used the word right eye and right hand. I would like us to go there so that you see what I'm talking about. Because Mark did not use right or left, he simply said hand. But when you read a, a, a similar account in the book of Matthew, chapter 5, 29 and 30, what do you see? And if your right eye, are you there? Causes you to sin, plug it out, and cast it from you, for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And verse 30, And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, and cast it from you, for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Hallelujah. Praise the living God. Now again, if you want to really understand this, you will need to take time to go back a little bit and read. But we don't have time for that in this study. Now, in dealing with this, I would like us to explain something before we move on again. This should not be a problem to us because this is not just a symbol of power. I mean, this is just a symbol of power, proper vision, in consonant with God's mind, but also that of blessing. I want to explain something. Hallelujah. You know, in Matthew chapter, in Mark chapter 16, which we read, go down to verse 19. Of Mark 16. Verse 19 of Mark 16. The Bible says, So then, after the Lord, that's how I'm talking about those who believe in me, this I shall follow them. So then, after the Lord has spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down where? Good. So God have what? A right hand. So what is a right hand? Does it mean God is like us? Do you believe God is in our shape? No. So what is his right hand? His right hand is authority, that's okay. But beyond that is a place of blessing. Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. The right hand is not only just the place of authority, it's also the place of blessing. And I'm going to prove that from you, I mean to you. From the life of Jacob, what he did to Manasseh and Ephraim in the book of Genesis. Can you remember that? The Bible said when he wanted to pray for both of them, he crossed his hand. The right hand went over the head of the junior one. While the letter was resting over the senior one. And Joseph came and said, No, Father, it ought not to be so. And the father said, But I know what I am doing, let it be so. There was something he was transferring upon the life of the junior one with the right hand. Can you get that now? So when we talk about right hand, we're talking about not just the place of authority, we're talking about a place of blessing. 
you get this now? Okay. So if your right hand, in other words, the authority and the blessings you are supposed to be having are corrupting your life. Cut it off. Hello? Are you following what I'm saying? Mind you, he's using the word right. That's why I have to go into this explanation. If that place of authority, if the anointing in your life, if the prosperity you are having is turning people and turning you away from God, stop it. If your ministry of blessing which you are carrying is turning away from turning away people from God, because you see, he that caused this little one to offend. He must follow the background where we are coming from. In the book of Mark. Amen? Alright? If, if what you are doing, if your faith is making some other people to, to fall, or making you to fall, stop it. Is that not what we read before? Good. So if the authority you have, even if the blessings you have, is not turning people away from the faith, by doing other things with the amount of God, stop it. Otherwise you are going to hell. Is anybody understanding me? You see, we have a lot to think about in God's world. Because we have already settled some of those things. We don't even know that Jesus was talking to us. He was talking to us. That is why my brothers were in the prosperity message. There are a lot of things they need to consider. In the thing which you are teaching. Because when you begin to teach things which are not of God, just because there is blessing in it, there is danger at the head at, at, at the end of the day. Unknown to them. And even unknown to those who are following. There is danger at the end of the day. Praise the living God. Recently, there was the picture that was painted and it's commonly going on now. Apart from the one that happened in Wari, there was a particular one I learned of again. The pastor told the people to do certain things to be able to get a job. So they went and got the picture of a director of a company. Alright? Brought it home and used the mantle to hit the picture. And they speak certain things concerning the man. And the next day walked to the office. And the man got the job. And he came to God to testify. He used the mantle upon the picture of the man. And he got the job. Praise the Lord. Is that, is that different from what witchcrafts are doing? No, 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 no. Let, let's, let's be honest. And let's be serious with what we're doing right now. You see girls. Can't you know, can't you know what I'm talking about? Girls take boys photograph to the shrine. And they call the name of the man. So that they can love them. Isn't that the same thing? Is it not what we are started practicing now? All because we have to prosper in the church. That is witchcraft using the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And they say it's effectual prayer. Which kind of prayer? And when you are saying, and maybe you are saying certain things, and you'll be saying it's confession of faith, it is the same thing as incantation. When you begin to murmur people's name in praying for certain things, using their photograph, using anointing oil, using mantle, you are not better than a witch. People will 
to make little images and I'll call your name. Say this is this is Sister Jane. This is the Okoro or Brother Okoro. Eh? And then it's okay, we want to blind his eye. They will bring me to and pierce it. Have you not seen things like that? So is that not what we have transferred to the church now? In the name of prosperity. In the name of getting breakthrough. Every message you are carrying, watch it with the scriptures. When people begin to tell you, bring your picture to church and pour oil on it and go back home and do certain things. Be, be watchful about practicing witchcraft in the name of Jesus Christ. All because you want to have a breakthrough. The Bible is telling us that that place of authority, you can misuse it. Amen? You can misuse it. And you are qualified for hell. You better watch it. I'm talking of things that are happening. Things that are happening in the body of Christ. And we think this message is for the unbelievers. When we are going to evangelism, we quote this. If you don't believe, you go to hell. And the Holy Spirit will tell you, it is you I talked to. I didn't talk to that man. That man is blind, he's dead in sin and trespass. He doesn't even understand what you're saying. He's in darkness. You are supposed to be in the light. It's you I wrote that thing for, not those people. Better watch your source of income. Hallelujah. It's still your right hand. Have you not been here? You tell your right. <laughs> you use your right hand to forge signatures now. Is it not happening? You better watch it. Even as a believer. It is still the right hand we use to alter figures. Eh? We can add zero to something to make it something. Praise the living God. God will help his church. Okay, let's move on very quickly to save our time. Amen. I'm sure you picked that message. Is it clear to all of us? Okay. Even as Jacob was blessing Ephraim and Manasseh by crossing his hands over their hairs, like Genesis 48, 13 to 14, by blessing the young girl with his right hand. Talking about the eye, in Mark chapter 9, verse 47, and in Matthew 6, verse 22 to 30, we are told, the lamp of the body is the eye, not eyes. Come on, turn to that place and see what I mean. Hallelujah. The lamp of the body is what? The eye. Singular. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. <laughs> if therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So what is the meaning of the eye here? Praise the living God. Because we need to read it from another translation. And this time from the Living Bible, and it says, If your eye is pure, there will be sunshine in your soul. But if your eye is clouded with evil thoughts and desires, you are in deep spiritual darkness. And oh, how deep the darkness can be. You get the meaning there. What does the eye mean? It simply speaks of your soul. If your eye will cause you to sin, block it out. In other words, if the thought within your spirit life is 
is evil. Stop it. Hallelujah. Is it clear to us? Remember, we are dealt with the hand, we are dealt with the foot. This is the eye. The three things that will cause you to see. So the eye is not this thing. It's your foe. It's your thought pattern. Hallelujah. Remember, it was the thought pattern actually that causes trouble today. For practicing sectarianism, this man is not part of us. Therefore, he cannot, he's not qualified to do science and wonders in the name of Jesus. Is your thought pattern. Is your thought life. Can you remember that? Praise the Lord. Now, you find that this three things happened in the life of the apostles. They first taught something wrongly and they acted. Remember, they were carrying a message, which is the message of Christ. They were casting a devil with their hands. So, the three major things that Jesus did with actually manifested in the life of the disciples. So, when we talk about the eye, we're talking about the light in your soul, the way you think, the way you feel. Towards people, towards the brethren, towards those who are just coming in. The thought of your heart towards them is what we either excuse you or qualify you to enter into hell. Again, we remind ourselves Jesus was not dealing with the unbelievers, He was dealing with His own apostles. May God help us in the name of Jesus Christ. If then the very light in your soul or conscience is darkened, how dense is that darkness? That is from the Amplified Translation. So we find that the eye speaks of our conscience, the soul of man. Therefore, to talk of the eye that can make you stumble in the faith, of course, we must understand that it is a wide range of evil desires that are locked up within our soul realm. All of those things are greed, covetousness, Loves, etc., that are a manifestation from the forum are the things that takes us into what? Suppose Gehenna, certainly for the purpose of purification. Praise the living God. I was discussing with a brother a few days ago, and he said, Pastor, I can't deceive you. I have greed in my heart. As are you? I said, I have greed. And that greed has made me to suffer many things. As are you sure? I'm just telling the truth. It's I've just come to discover that it is greed that makes someone not to be tight. That is one thing I've discovered for myself. And many other things I was supposed to have done which I didn't do was a result of greed. And at the end, the things I was accumulating the money for, I could not achieve it. Say, God is wiser than me. That is the humble confession. And God will strengthen that individual. This is the eye. It's not this one. Do you have greed in your spirit? Think about it. Do you have covetousness? Urufio. That's covetousness. Is anybody understand what I'm talking about? Do you have it? Lost covetousness. Never satisfied. Never satisfied. If you see anything another person is having, it is like you ought to be the one to have that thing. It will kill you. It will just kill you. Ministers have 
the greater why are they doing thousand and one all night? Because they want their torch to be like another man's torch. You're just wasting your time. The capacity to manage one thousand congregations may not be in your life. There is ability for everything. Can't you remember that? Trying to make your trust look like that of your two. And they will just bury you within six months. I mean it. Because that church is like a whole country. You are unable to manage 1,000 people. In fact, 100 people. Unable to manage 100 people. And you're looking for 1,000 or 10,000. You're looking for trouble. But you see, you will be putting on programs so that you can be like the other man. You are trouble. Your life, you are never satisfied. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Great gain. Not just gain. Great gain. Godliness with contentment. You are never contented. Somebody says, I never with the population. No, that's not what I'm talking about. But I will not launch into program because I want population increase. Do you understand? Are you understand what I'm talking about? I want to program because we want this place to be filled. I'm not interested in that. There are some programs you put up, you get tired because the days are too long. It's only some people that did 31 days program in a month and they are never tired. Thank God for their grace. I don't have that. Praise the living God. Why will you even give the people time to think over what you have told them? For 31 days you are preaching. Sermon every day. What would you ever think about? You have a reason for doing it. These are the problem we have. Darkened conscience. The light in us is darkness. Hallelujah. I want you to check those things and check your life. Remember, I'm not preaching to unbelievers. Amen. In other words, to have all of this filthiness burnt out of our lives, that is one of the reasons to go into this place. This is in direct connection with the application of this word by Jesus, even as properly stated in the translation of Philip. Philip translation says, if your eye leads you astray. Now, can we put what we have there now? In the place of I, if your thoughts or your soul leads you astray, plug it out. It is better for you to go one-eyed into the kingdom of God than to keep both eyes and be thrown into rubbish heap. Are you getting that? <laughs> Next week you are going to understand the rubbish heap properly. And that is to die the death of a criminal. So many criminals are in the church. Hallelujah. When you are thrown into the rubbish heap, you, you, you died as a criminal. Only criminals are not qualified to be buried. Are you understanding that? Witches and wizards will die. Even those who commit suicide, you know, they don't bury them. Over here, they say, take them to the evil forest. You will suffer the death of evil forest. <laughs> Rubbish Hallelujah. If your thought pattern is not right, 
comes operate in this translation. That the life we are supposed to go into is the kingdom of God. And you know, you don't die to go into the kingdom, but you are born again to get into it or to enter into it. I'm going to John 3, 3 to 6. Amen? Again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God with two eyes. What does that mean? It simply means to be double-minded. Hello? Because we don't... Are we in the kingdom or not? We are in the kingdom. Then, is it that we are all blind with one eye? Hallelujah. No. What he's saying here, for you to have one eye is to be single-minded, but for you to have double eye in the kingdom is to be double-minded. Read it. Now, just as the word says in James chapter 1 verse 8, a double-minded man is unstable what? In all his ways. That is, your, that is the mind. That is your soul. That is your thoughts. You see, one of your hands is on God. The other one is outside. You, you, you say you are exercising faith, but you know what you are doing. Just like those things I was talking about now. You practice all kinds of things and you stick on the faith. It's not faith. It is still an application of the principles of those in the world. Now you are bringing in. And you are calling it faith. It's not faith. Hallelujah. It's one thing I have also discovered is that you cannot have the right faith until you hear from God. Amen. Even if I'm preaching to you now, and I'm telling you to have faith, that is not to say you've got in faith. Until it becomes a revelation. That's why everything about tithing and giving and vow, all those you talk about in the church, no matter how you preach it, until it becomes a revelation, people cannot do it. And without a revelation, even if you try to do, it is still without faith. For without faith, it is impossible to please God. Do you understand? Praise the living God. The double-minded man. Let him know that he can receive nothing from God. You finish praying, you are thinking whether this thing will work. Double-minded. Your hand is on God, your hand is on other things. Tradition, custom, everything. You are just there for twenty. Let him know he can receive nothing from God. Now, I think I would like to read it from another translation. He said, draw nigh to God and we draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, yes, sinners, and purify your heart, you double-minded. That is John 8, John 4, verse 8. Now, the living Bible says, let your heart be filled with God alone, say hallelujah, to make them pure and true to Him. Let your heart be filled with God alone to make them pure and true to Him. Let your heart be filled with God alone. So if God fills your heart alone, your heart will be pure. That means God can be in your heart and another thing also beware in your heart. It becomes double. And the man that thinks and behaves that way, let him know he can receive nothing from God. Do you understand this? This is the eye that will take you to hell. This is the eye that 
will take you to hell. You are not permitted to think anyhow. You are not permitted to do all kinds of things. You are not permitted to be in God and in the world at the same time. You are not permitted to do so. You will be disqualified. You will be disqualified and you will be punished. You are not permitted to do so. You don't have right to do so. Praise the living of somebody. I want us to think. You cannot be sustaining your life with the principles of God and the principles of the world at the same time. For no man can serve God and mammon at the same time. That is double-mindedness. Nothing takes the place of God in your life. Praise the living God. Amen? I'm sure somebody is following. Now for Gehenna to be described about rubbish heap, is very accurate and this is what King Josiah turned the valley of Enoch into in the south of Jerusalem. I mean, turned it in in the south of Jerusalem. That is, the valley is to the south of Jerusalem. It turned it into a rubbish heap while cleaning the city of Jerusalem during the time of his reformation. As he stood the abominable worship of Molech in this valley of Tophet, as it is called in 2 Kings 23 verse 10. And because this place, valley, was to serve as a cleansing agent, incinerator, to the city of Jerusalem, there was a constant fire there to burn off the refuse being thrown there. And this also explains why the fire was not quenched. As we shall begin to explain in the next moment, and what even the worms stand for. Specifically in the next study, we're going to do that. Praise the living God. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? Now, you know, that city was to the south of Jerusalem and then that is what we call Gehenna. And like you're going to find out next week, you find that only criminals were dumped in that place. Like, oh, hallelujah. Even in Isaiah, in the book of even Job, the Bible talks about the death of the ass. It talks about those who die at the ass. The ass are people who are not qualified for good burials. Donkeys. When donkeys die, they dump them there. The point is this. If Jesus speaks to a true Jewish person about hell in this passage that we're dealing with, they understood what Jesus was talking about. They knew very well that Jesus was saying they are going to be dumped without proper burial. But I know that the average Jewish man cherishes and values his burial so much. That is why they take time to prepare their tombs before they die. Joseph of Arimathea had his own ready. And when Jesus died, he submitted it to Jesus so that himself would not die. Can you say amen? Praise the living God. You remember that Abraham had to buy a whole cave where they buried Sarah, buried him. You don't throw them anyhow. So for Jesus to tell you that you are going to be thrown anyhow, you say that you are a criminal. Hallelujah. And what qualifies you to become a criminal? The nature of ministry you do. I remember some time ago in Ogorokoko here, somebody pins a sandboard. What did he call that sandboard? After a little bit after the shrine, one woman. He was first here, this uh, Ajomo Avenue, and then moved down there, pin one big sandboard. Whether Jesus reigned or Jesus wanted. Somebody was dancing the bay and the rest of those things, on to pin sandboard. It 
Justin. Eh? Hallelujah. You want to turn the white truck into Bible? Instead of knowing you don't want to be identified white truck because you feel something, you want to turn the Bible and maybe you can't walk. Your hands and feet will be bound. No matter how long, it may allow you for a moment to change. But if you continue, it will be bound. Hallelujah. Praise the living God. So on your part, think about it. What do you do with your hands? What kind of foot do you have? What gospel do you carry? Is it gospel of envy? Gospel of jealousy? Gospel of backbiting? Gospel of gossiping? Gospel of running people down? This is our gospel. Hallelujah. They are messages. Amen. He tells that they are not the gospel of Christ. Paul speaks about another gospel in the book of Galatians. It is gospel, but another gospel is not the gospel of Christ. You may have your own gospel that you are preaching. But my advice tonight, no matter the followership you are going to have, no matter the sense of wonders you are going to have, no matter the anointing upon your life, let it be the gospel of Christ. For every other spirit that works in agreement with you, which is not of Christ, qualifies you for Gehenna. I repeat, he's not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to those who are born again. His own disciples. You and I. May God help us to repent. In Jesus' name.